morning. We're continuing our series on the gift of risk. And today we're exploring the risks Joseph took in accepting Mary and Jesus as his family. He risked his reputation, he risked his pride, he risked his plans for his future. You know, he did this in defiance of what his society would have expected of him. He did it knowing it would probably bring shame and scandal on him. And if, you know, imagine small town gossip today times a thousand. <laughs> and if he was wrong about what God was saying about Mary, he was setting himself up to be hurt by someone who might betray him. So how did he do that? How did he trust with something so big. To figure that out, we're gonna start by getting into 1 Matthew and kind of looking at where we find Joseph. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she was found to be pregnant. Joseph, her husband, was a good man and did not want to make a public example of her, so he decided to divorce her quietly. Okay, so the first thing we kind of need to crack open is this idea of betrothal. This state of engagement they were in does not exist in our society. So, okay, they had made a pledge to each other, this sacred promise that they were going to be wed. Their parents are building a house for them to live in as soon as this deal's over. They're just, when, as soon as the house is ready, they're gonna finish this oath, finish this promise, this sacrament, and they are going to be living together as man and wife. But until then, it's taboo for them even to be alone together, to have a private conversation. So married enough to need a divorce, but not married enough to make a baby. But Mary turns up pregnant enough that people have noticed, that word has reached Joseph, there's buzz about it. And people are jumping to one of two conclusions. Either it is Joseph's baby and he has committed the taboo of being with her before it would be appropriate to do so, or it's not Joseph's baby and she has defiled herself by betraying him and being with another man. Either way, these are scandalous ideas that would bring a tremendous amount of shame onto Joseph if he went through with this marriage. So Joseph being a lawful man with a good reputation doesn't think this sounds like something he wants to do. And he knows it's not his child. So he prepares himself to separate himself from Mary in as discreet a way as possible. But even the best case scenario for Mary in that situation, it's not good. The outcome for her and the baby are very bleak. And so Joseph has to struggle with this decision. He has to wrestle with it. You know, and it says in verse 20, as he's sitting with this, as he's considering it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay. Can you imagine having a dream like that and just accepting it as real and truth? And then throwing out all of your well-thought-out plans and just doing this other thing instead. Because that's what Joseph did. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, 
He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. That was it. That was the end of the conversation for him. So how did he have the confidence to step out in faith like that? What was on the line for him? What was he willing to sacrifice to do that? Well, I think he took three big risks. He trusted God with three big areas. First, his ego, his pride, what people thought of him. He was willing to set aside man's opinion in favor of God's opinion. Have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something that might make you look stupid? Because I have never been in a situation like this with stakes this high, but I have had a, been in situations before where I felt like God was asking me to make myself vulnerable in that way. You know, the first time I went to a Vineyard National Conference, I am in this auditorium with hundreds of pastors and ministry leaders, people who have been doing ministry for decades, some of them. And I was just a wee tiny little baby minister. And at the end of the first night, he invites everyone to pray for each other and share words with each other. And I mean, the aisles are packed. All the chairs in front of me empty out. And this is my first time. So I just sit back and I pray and I wait, you know. And after a few minutes, God highlights what has to be the only woman left in the rows in front of me. And I receive a word for her. And it's like simple. It's like, God loves you. And this woman, she said... She's probably 65. She's much older than I was at that time. And I thought, I cannot, I, I cannot go tell her this spiritual kindergarten stuff. She's going to pat me on the head and smile condescendingly and be like, oh, honey, that's sweet. You know, and she's one of the only people who hasn't moved to receive prayer already. I did not want to go share this word with this woman. I did not. You know, I was certain I was going to look stupid but I wanted to be obedient to that prompting. And so I approached her, y'all, to get to this woman. I had to like climb across like five rows of seats because I could not pass through the aisles. And I get there and I tell this woman that God loves her and she just started weeping. Somehow I had found like the only person in that room who was not a, a pastor who had traveled across the country to be there. She was a new believer who had just started attending the host church. And she was there because she was going through a rough time and had heard there was going to be worship that night. You know, and God was able to use me to share his love with this woman who desperately needed to hear it because I was willing to look stupid. <laughs> you know, sometimes God just needs us to get our pride out of his way. You know, so how did Joseph know that's what God wanted him to do? What gave him the confidence to do that? How did he know this dream was the real thing? You know, I think the answer to that is that he was actively seeking God's guidance and waiting in expectation for, the, for an answer, for a response. And so when it came, he was able to recognize it for what it was. You know, is that how we're making decisions every day in our lives? When something comes up, are we praying? Are we inviting God into that specific instance and then waiting in expectation for a response? 
If you do that on a regular basis, I know right now you are thinking of countless examples of times that God has shown up and shown out in that way. You know, for me, the most notable example was also really a pivotal point in my faith. I had reached a place about 12 years ago where the reality of God the Father in my life was one of the most important things in my life. I was going to church every week. I was spending time in prayer and meditation with God every day. You know, I was living in pursuit of his will and trying to live in service to it. I believed that the Holy Spirit was moving through me and using me and empowering me. But I just wasn't sure about this Jesus thing. I didn't know if I needed that part. I was experiencing the presence of God so deeply. I thought, maybe he doesn't need me to believe this. You know, and I struggled with that for months. Because in a life full of professed believers, I was really hard-pressed to find someone I felt safe talking to about these doubts. You know, I think it's really important for us as believers to think about whether or not we are a person like that. I was finally able to identify my friend Ken, who was as someone that I felt like I could be vulnerable with in this way without being judged, that he had a spirituality that I respected and I knew that he was going to be willing to engage with me in meaningful conversation about my, my doubts. And I felt, didn't feel like he was going to pressure me to be able to make a decision at the end of that conversation, that we were still going to be able to be friends even if I wasn't ready at the end of that conversation to make a decision. And he said the most amazing thing to me. He said, Nikki, it's Advent. Because it was Advent then, just like it is now. He said, it's Advent, and that is the season of preparing our hearts for Christ. Why don't you just pray for God to prepare your heart? Why don't you just ask him that if he needs you to believe something, that he make it feel true? So that's what I did. Every morning for that season of Advent, I prayed that simple prayer. And do you know, as I waited in expectation of God's guidance, he opened the conviction of my belief like a flower blossom. And by Christmas morning, I knew, I just knew that it was real, that it was true. I was ready, my heart was ready to celebrate the birth of Christ because, I mean, I knew that God was that big and I knew that God loved us that much. And by the end of that season of prayer and waiting in expectation for God's guidance, that was enough. He had just fit those pieces together for me with a profound sense of peace because that's what God does. That's what God is capable of doing when we seek him, when we wait on him. That's what my friend Ken knew, and that's what Joseph knew. And that's why when God sent his messenger, God, Joseph was able to be receptive to that message and to recognize it for what it was. And you know, God showed up in that way for Joseph again and again in the beginning of this gospel leading and guiding and protecting that little family. Because God's not just big and powerful. He's faithful and he's benevolent and he's loving and he is a good, good caretaker. So when we have those things in our life that we have to trust God with, like Joseph did, 
we have to take a big risk to act on that guidance sometimes. And I think ultimately that was the biggest risk Joseph took, trusting God with the outcome of his life. That either this was going to be okay, you know, the scandal and shame that they may have to live in for the rest of their lives, either it was going to be okay or somehow God was going to be there for them in such a way that even if everything fell apart around them and everyone they knew turned on them, it was still somehow some inconceivable way going to be okay. You know, I think for me in those times in my life where I have to do that like Indiana Jones invisible bridge walk, that first step, a lot of times the fear doesn't just evaporate. And I don't think it did for Joseph. I mean, some big risks he's taken, (laughs) you know, and I think just like we experience in our lives today, when we take that first step out in faith, there's a little bit of that, like top of the roller coaster, like, you know, waiting for the bottom to fall out of your stomach a little bit. And when I have to go deep at the well of faith in those moments, God always uses worship music to remind me of who he is and what he promises. And Joseph did not have K-Love or Pandora or the Vineyard Worship Spotify channel like I do. But Joseph had the Psalms. And I think the words of those songs that he had been hearing his whole life rose up in his heart and reminded him the truth of who God is. God is our refuge. He's the safe place when the world does not seem safe. The Lord is my strength. And shield, I trust him with all my heart and he helps me. God is our strength. We don't have to be strong enough. God empowers us to do everything he sets in front of us. He is our strength and protection. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. That help doesn't always come the way we expect or even the way we would like sometimes. But it will Come, he will help us. Those Psalms teach us, just like they taught Joseph, that God is trustworthy. That's why he was able to trust God with everything he thought he needed to be happy. And where would Mary and Jesus have been in that time in that place in history without Joseph. You see, when we step out in faith like that, when we trust God, he doesn't just take care of us. He's able to use us in a profound way. We get to become a part of his story for the world. So let's look at how we can be a part of his story this week. So here come some practical tips. We're going to take those same three risks Joseph took this week, and we're going to see how God can use us in the world, how we can become a part of that story. Number one, I want you to do something socially scary this week for God, not just like any random socially scary thing, but I want you to look around and start from whatever point you are. If it's scary for you to make eye contact with someone in the grocery store and say, hi, do that. Start there. (laughs) But 
Maybe it's time for you to push yourself further. Maybe it's time for you to pick up the phone and call somebody from church or someone you know is struggling and reach out to them in community and fellowship and encourage that person. Maybe it's time, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, that sounds hard, to say, wow, can I pray with you right now about that? Maybe it's time to invite somebody to church. Maybe it's time to share the online church service. Whatever it is that gives you that little tremor of trepidation when you think about doing that thing for God, do that thing this week. Number two, we're going to trust God to send us guidance. I want you to single out one decision this week. And I want you to ask God what he wants you to do in that specific situation. And then I want you to wait in expectation of his guidance. Do not take any action until you feel you have received some form of guidance. Now look, that might be a word that you receive in prayer and meditation. It may be God highlighting a particular song or scripture. It might be really great advice that you receive this week. It might be, there's any number of ways that God can move in you, but you will know it is from God because it will be accompanied by that peace. And finally, I want you to turn over your happily ever after to God this week. I know that was really big. Like, how do you do that in one week? Well, I want you to pick one thing. We all have at least one thing in our lives that we feel like if this thing doesn't go a specific way, I can't be happy. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your child doing a certain thing. Um, maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your career. Maybe you feel like you need to lose 50 pounds to be happy. Maybe you feel like, you know, you have to go back to college to be happy. Whatever it is, we all have a thing that we feel like we need to be happy. And I want you to take that thing this week. And I want you to ball it up. Okay. You might need to like pack it in imaginary bubble wrap and like put it in a box, but whatever you need to do, pack it up and give it to God. Like in, in prayer, I want you to imagine handing that thing over to God. And I want you to say to him, God, I give you this. I give you all of the outcomes surrounding this thing because I know that no matter what you choose to do with it, I'm going to be okay because your will, not my will, right? Because just like Joseph, we know that either it's going to go the way we think it needs to and everything's going to be okay, or it's not and everything's going to be okay. You know? So I think we're going to see great fruit from taking these risks this week. And um, as we go into communion, I encourage you to just bring that spirit of surrender with you into our sacrament.